Welcome to Hub City Homers. We are back after last week's kind of upsetting turn of events with technology. Um, we were Jack and Kendall did a great job holding out down the fort. This is episode 53. Hopefully our, our all of our audio is working so you can hear all three of us. Um, we unfortunately could not get Reed on this episode. It's, you know, kind of sad, but the one he was able to come forth, we could, I, I'm not sure what happened, but our audio was completely distorted. Hopefully this one comes in clean. This will be our typical episode. We're going to start by recapping the loss in the Little Apple against the Kansas State Wildcats, and then looking ahead to yet another top 25 matchup on the road for the Red Raiders against the Oxford State Cowboys, colloquially referred to as Xerox U. Um, we're going to also, you know, take some time to really dig into some key areas the team's kind of looking at. We're almost to the halfway point, so it's time to start thinking about the long-term goals at the end of the season. We'll start to touch on that. We have the bye week up next. It'll be a great time for us to really circle back on some things we talked about early in the year. But we're going to start hitting on those themes this episode. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. As I mentioned, we're going to start with our recap. The loss in Kansas State frustrating for a couple of reasons. Number one, the sense that you had a lot of opportunities and kind of threw them away. Um, and number two, another kind of interesting aspect of this game is Kansas State was averaging like 10 yards a carry, had, I believe, it was plus three in the turnover margin, and won by nine. So there is something to be said for the fight of the Red Raiders. But again, that all boils back to what would have happened if you had neutralized some of those turnovers and some of those big plays. I want to start on the defensive side of the ball because this game was not their best. There were some good moments and some bad. Um, Jack, let's talk about the opening series in particular and then the kind of trend to allow these huge plays. What did you see that kind of frustrated you from this past weekend? Uh, well, plain and simple, it's a problem. Um whether people want to just ignore the fact that this defense has a problem with letting up big plays, I mean, that's up to them. Uh, But the reality of the situation is that it's a problem. Uh, Kansas State lined up and punched you in the mouth, um, scored in two plays, something that I really didn't have on my bingo card for this game. Um, You pretty much knew what they were going to do, right? Uh, We knew that Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn were dual threat, or were both going to run the ball out of the backfield, uh, probably shotgun for a majority of the game, and uh, you know a lot of um, a lot of pass run option for Martinez. You know, um, kind of delayed reads, uh, kind of reading that D end or whoever, and judging off that whether to hand it off to Deuce Vaughn or to keep it and run around the end. Um, It's really uh, both running backs had two separate runs of 69 yards. Um, Both guys had over 170 yards on the ground. Uh, Both averaged over seven yards a carry. Deuce Vaughn averaged 7.4 yards a carry, and Adrian Martinez (laughs) averaged 14.3 yards per carry. Um, He carried the ball the same amount of passes he completed. So he had 12 carries. He also completed 12 passes. Uh, Only had 116 yards through the air. Only averaged 6.1 yards a pass. Um, But ran for 171 yards on the ground. Averaged 14.3 yards a carry. Um, The bottom line is this. I mean, you take away a couple of those big plays, Tech's in the game. Uh... And, and the thing that really kind of bugged me is that uh, you you seem to have it fixed. You seem to have it figured out. 
starting right towards the end of the first quarter, going all through the second quarter, and pretty much most of the third, really. You had it figured out. Um, I mean, you, you can load the box with seven or eight against them and force them to beat you deep because Adrian Martinez, we know he can't throw the deep ball. And that's what they did for about two and a half quarters. Other than pull the safeties up, which I would have liked to see the safeties a little closer to the line, um, to just to aid in any runs that might have gotten past that first level. Um, and then all of a sudden, it just kind of stopped, uh, which was a little, which is a little puzzling to me. Kansas State scored 17 points in the fourth quarter uh, to definitely put this one out of reach. Uh, it was it was tied going to the fourth quarter. It was tied at 20. Um, so, I mean, we'll touch on the offense in a bit. But to me, um, it was a tale of two halves, but the halves were not your traditional halves. I, I would necessarily put the second and third quarter together and then the first and fourth quarters together on this. Just to kind of look at it, um, Again, I really, no disrespect to any Kansas State fans that for some reason might be listening to our recap of this, I don't think that anything they did was special. It really wasn't. It wasn't anything that was just like, wow, that was something different. I really didn't expect that. No, they just lined up and ran it down our throats. And um, it's, it's alarming to know that you had a week to game plan for that and still allowed it to happen. Um, but at the same time, you just you also felt like the defense kind of, they played with them for two and a half quarters, I would say. So it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say inconsistent because this defense has been the most consistent part of this team by far. They've kept us in every game we've been in, even the two losses. Um, I don't know about y'all too, uh, but Mike, for me, this, I put a tweet out about this just reminded me of deja vu from the North Carolina State game. Uh, just opportunities thrown away, a little bit of questionable play call on offense, some defensive-ish issues. Um, but to me, it was just, it just felt like I'm, uh, it just felt like I was looking at a replay of the North Carolina State game. Yeah, I mean, let's highlight something. The defense has been very, very good this year, but there is a tendency for some... There are two things that I think are happening. First and foremost, Tech is an extremely aggressive defensive unit. You know, they're living and dying with guys like Jalen Hutchinson, um, Tyree Wilson, guys like that, Bradford getting home and getting sacks and pressures. That's that's a lot of what they're doing. And then they're trusting their linebackers to, to really come downhill and their secondary to really come downhill and fill up holes. Um, in the running game. But here's the problem, right? As much as I want to, you know, credit Tim DeRuda for taking a more uh, aggressive approach, they do not have a good feel for when the ball's going around them, right? Like Kansas State was able to trap around them a couple of times and lead, you know, those little uh, guard and tackle counters and uh, uh, traps. They were able to get around them and just wall everybody off because everybody's getting kind of lost in some of the window dressing. Um, and in those quarterback powers, it's the same situation. Adrian Martinez is a very patient runner, as is Deuce Vaughn. They just waited for those blocks to get set. You know, your guys were getting out of positions. They're They're playing hard and it's playing a little bit to their detriment i did say i did love we finally finally caught one of those little tunnel screens um 
for effectively no gain or a loss. We had not done that all year. It's another example. You know, those screens are so effective against Tech because of how aggressive the defense is. The other thing is it also shows poor eye discipline, right? Like, this has been a constant refrain from the staff. We got to be better with our eyes. I think way too much that, you know, the guys are, are paying way too much attention to what they think is going to ha- they're seeing in the backfield and not watching where the ball's going. Um, you know, the ball the ball doesn't lie, right? Like, where the ball goes, the play goes. Um, and I, I just think that they, they have a bad tendency to lose track of what's happening around them and get out of position, right? Like I saw a couple plays in particular where you had a linebacker step up and then he just gets walled out of the play or you have a safety come down too hard in the wrong spot or there's nobody in the back end because they bid on a fake, you know, like there's just, and here's the other part of this is Kansas state did a phenomenal job blocking downfield. Um, they, they, Kansas State just is a good rushing team, make no mistake. But uh, the other thing I want to highlight is the fact that teams are not successfully moving the ball against Tech on like a quote-unquote drive, right? Like teams do not move the ball well against Tech. The problem they've had is it, teams are scoring either in a hurry or not at all. And, you know, that's a good first step is eliminating those like back-breaking like 10 plays seven yards a catch drives that were tech was famous for you know under kingsbury where teams could just pick up chunk yardage with ease they'd move the ball quickly down the field and score now the problem is is you're not allowing that but you are allowing these 30 40 yard chunk plays that's how people are getting behind you um I thought the defense adjusted really well to start the game. You know, they came out and looked asleep, and they woke up and played a couple good quarters of football. And then I think there's a little bit of this, you're just kind of running on a ga- out of gas. You know, a defensive unit can't keep being asked to do too much. There isn't a tremendous amount of depth. You know, there's been a lot of injuries on that side of the ball, and they wear out. Um, um, I, I think, to me, this didn't look a lot like the North Carolina State game, because the North Carolina State game, to me, was one of the best defensive performance I've seen from Tech in a long time for the defense. But from the offensive side of the ball, which we're going to get to in a minute, yeah, I think it's a carbon copy. And I'll, I'll dive more into what me and Jack are talking about um, once we get there. But my last thought on the defense is just, they're going to keep you in every game. Somebody's got to help them out. You know, we can't we can't keep asking them to play in extremely short-fielded situations. We can't keep going entire quarters without moving the ball. You know, you have to string together an offensive game to help them out. Or this is going to keep happening. They're going to give up a couple of big plays, and that'll be the difference. So until until we, you know, see an offensive unit that's playing complementary football, the defense is going to continue to be a bit of a, a head scratcher. You know, they're going to give up some big plays. They're going to make some plays that they were too aggressive. They're going to keep getting better week to week. But until somebody helps them out, I think you're going to see some of this stuff where they kind of fade at moments. Um, Kendall, we got this question in the mailbag, um, and I wanted to ask it to you because it is a question that. I think deserves a, a, a couple thoughts on. Um, Chris did a great write-up on it, and I want to give Kendall a chance to weigh in as well. This is the idea. How, how what do you, how do you explain, and Jack kind of touched on this, mind you, talking about the game planning for a, a, a one-dimensional quarterback, but how do you sp- explain that in back-to-back weeks, um, in particular against a team that we kind of knew what the game plans were going to be, Texas was going to be a lot of quick passes, get the ball out of Hudson Card's hand fast. In both situations, we, um, we watched... An offense go down the field in three plays against Texas and two against Kansas State and score in like 30 seconds. You know, what What do you attribute to these kind of like horrible starts for the defense? Um, I, I think the easiest answer is just like it seems like they weren't prepared in the last two games coming out. But also, I mean, early that's kind of a feeling out process, I guess, to see to get a good idea of what, you know, 
the opposing offense is going to do. It seems like our defense early in games gives up um, a little, like they give up those big plays. And I don't know if it's just not being prepared. I can't imagine that it's not being prepared because, like, you know, Jack touched on it. But, um, like, everyone knows what Adrian Martinez does. Uh, this is his fifth year in college now. He Everyone knows that he's never been um, a great passer. And he really just kind of gets out of the pocket and he goes or, he, you know, he reads the defense and goes. And that's exactly what he did to start the game. And last week, like you said, you know, Texas, you know, did their, their short dump offs. And they also scored right away. I don't. I don't really guess. I don't know. I feel like the the point to start a game on defense, especially um, whether you choose to or not, I feel like it's just the time to make a statement with your defense. And Tech really hasn't done that, and it's really concerning to me because, like, like it just shows you know a matter of unpreparedness. Um, it seems like, you know, this team has been great at making adjustments, but I feel like you shouldn't have to make adjustments that early and often, I guess is also another word to use. Like, I feel like, you know, when you have to make too much adjustments, that's what leads to these, you know, the late game, I'm not going to say collapses, but the last two games now, um, our defense has kind of shut down, uh, Towards the end of games, you know, we let Texas drive the field and what was it, 20 seconds um, to tie the game up. And, you know, we let Kansas State put this game away pretty easily, um, just letting them run all over us. So I think that uh, that's definitely something that needs to be addressed. Um, I'd like to see it start this week against Oklahoma State. I mean, OK State doesn't have, you know, an insanely good offense. Um, I feel like asking for a stop at least at the on the first drive of the game isn't that big of an ask, especially if we're going to end up starting on defense. Um, you know, just to see one stop would be nice, but overall, um, it is it's a, that's actually a great question because that's probably one of the biggest concerns. Um, Tech not once really outside of like the Murray State game have they been the ones to set the tone, so um. You know, it's a very valid, like, question and concern. And I think that, you know, Coach DeRuiter and also Coach McGuire really just need to um, kind of figure what out, go or what's going wrong with the defense because we can't just, like, keep letting them, uh, like, score right away because it's putting our offense in holes. And honestly, this is an offense that can't afford to be in an immediate hole you know, with the inconsistencies um, and, you know, just the fact that they can't always sustain drives. It put it can put you in an early hole like this game did. You know, Tech ended up down 13 nothing to start this game um, against Texas. You know, they didn't get as in as big of a hole as early, but they were still down 10 at halftime. So, uh, yeah, it's just something that needs to be fixed. I don't necessarily know what the fix is. Because I, I genuinely don't think like it's our team being unprepared or not ready to play. It's just it's something that's really weird though, and uh, I I really would like to see that start this week with you know 
whether it's a stop or us getting the ball first and going and scoring first, we need to see some changes there. You kind of hit on something, right? Like this offense is just not built um, to, to, to really play from behind for long stretches of the game, right? Like you need to be case in point, right? Like you have all these comebacks and stuff, but like, look at how those games kind of ended, right? Like they, they came down to, um, some really special heroics by the defense to like keep you in games. And the offense just isn't built to do that consistently, right? Like you did it against Houston, but you didn't do it against NC state and you didn't do it against Kansas state. Um, and against Texas, right? Like a same, same story, right? You know, you, you put your defense behind the eight ball for so long, that last 40 second drive, they're just gassed, right? As much as Texas was tired, your defense is worn down too. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're two for two in comebacks, right? And that's not a great place to be in one that you need to keep coming back because that's, that's how it should go. You're not going to come back all the time from like multi-score 10 point deficits. You're not going to come back all the time from trailing late. It isn't going to happen. It is not a recipe for success, especially with this offense that is so streaky because against Houston, they, they, in Texas, they played some masterful football from behind to get into the game and survive and hang on and get you into positions to win in overtime. Um, but against NC State and Kansas State, we saw more of what I think we're going to get a lot against better defenses. They just don't, we don't have the explosive plays to do it. So when you immediately start in these holes, it, it's tough. It changes the complexity of the game, changes it changes the complexion of the game, it changes how Kitley has to game plan, it changes the feel, um, it, it sucks some of the life out of your team, you know, you're all hyped up and then you're immediately in a 7 nothing hole. I mean, it's something they're going to have to fix. Now, I'm going to transition to the offensive side of the ball because this is a hot topic. Um, and we're going to start with the one that I think everybody's most, you know, um, sensitive about this past week, which is the Donovan Smith question. Um, I'll start off just by saying, look, like we can have a debate about if QBR is a good stat. Fine. We can have a debate about inexperienced quarterbacks and how they should perform. Fine. And we can all acknowledge the offensive line's been bad. That's, that's all true. Losses are cumulative efforts. QB should not be assigned wins and losses. But here's the other truth of the matter. You played four games of Donovan Smith as your true starter. He's been bad, and I mean objectively bad in two of them. That's not a QBR thing. That's just reality. You turn the ball over how many times? He's thrown four picks in those two losses. He turned the ball over um, once more on a fumble. How many, how many, and think about the balls he's completing in both of these games. There were circus catches, right? Like what killed us against NC State was receivers could not, you know, make those like diving grabs, those low grabs that have become a staple of Tech's offense. Perfect example of this for what it's worth. For those of you who are like Donovan Smith, you know, he didn't play that bad. Look, think about that late series, the Xavier White catch. He underthrew Xavier White by five yards. If that ball's thrown in pace and stride even a little bit, that's a touchdown. Think about, you know, how many times that's happened. How few of those deep balls we, we've managed. How many times Tech has to settle for checkdowns and lo- short, lower, uh, higher percentage throws because we can't take advantage of guys over the top. And again, not all his fault. The offensive line's not providing a ton of protection to run those routes, but there are opportunities against Texas where you had it extremely well blocked and you just can't get it downfield because you, he's just missing, right? Like, think about the ball he overthrew Mason Tharp on. That's a big-ass tight end. You put that ball anywhere near him, and he probably catches it, and you missed him by three yards. Think about the the thir- third and fourth down sequence, um, the second third down sequence, where he throws that screen and misses by three yards and then throws the ball into the dirt for the first down, right? Like, that's happening consistently. He is not taking care of business every other game. He played great against Texas. 
you know, against Houston, I don't really think that's a fair game to assess him. Um, he got lit up. We didn't block at all in that game. So, you know, I don't I don't mind um, just saying, like, that one, he played well considering the circumstances. He played great against Texas. Um, against NC State, he played bad. Against Kansas State, he played bad. We got, like, a really snarky comment from a major tech booster about, you know, the QBR thing. Um, and I didn't get to say what I really wanted to say on the brand account because that's not our business to do so, but I'll say it here. I just think that's a stupid-ass thing to say, right? Like, in, if, if I'm going to run a media account for an opinion blog, you should expect opinions. And if you don't like that, if you want us to be a cheerleader, go somewhere else because that's never going to be us. When things are good, we'll tell you what's going right. We're always going to promote the university. But when things are bad, we're going to tell you what's going on, what we think that should be done to fix it, and ask, you know, for the fans to to, – to, to kind of think about these things, right? Like, that's our job. It's not my job to pretend that everything's roses. Donovan Smith's inexperienced. He's young. He doesn't have a ton of starts. He's flashed greatness. But the inconsistency is killing Tech. We are not good enough offensively to overcome that. The offensive line's not good enough offensively to overcome that. He's a backup for a reason, and the blind allegiance to trying to pretend that there aren't these holes in his game is just maddening. Not every Tech quarterback has to be a stud. This one may or may not be. He's got to string together good games. Let's see what he does on the road against Oklahoma State. But he was not good against Kansas State. I mean, he just wasn't good for a lot of the game. Some of that's on the offensive line. And to be honest, guys, it should have been a lot worse, right? When Kansas State switched to bend but don't break late, and he added 100 yards to his passing total, think about how many balls he threw where receivers made crazy-ass catches. The Trey Cleveland catch was bonkers. The Xavier White catch was bonkers. How many balls were thrown low or behind that receivers reached back and got them? If they're not making those plays, he throws probably 125 less yards. So let's, let's not pretend that this was a good game. Let's have the discussion in an honest manner. He did not play well against Kansas State, full stop. And if he plays like this going forward, you won't win many games. You know, a lot of people have to play better for Tech to beat teams like Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. Offensive line needs to play better. Defense needs to play better. Um, you need to coach better. All that's true. There's no, no losses happen cumulatively, but let's acknowledge when we have a quarterback discussion, we do have some problems. Now, Jack, I'm going to throw it to you. What did you see from Donovan Smith? So, yeah, I'd, I'd just like to echo that sentiment. Um, I mean, we're going to call a spade a spade. I'm not going to, we're not sit here, we're not going to sit here and tell you everything. Oh, you know, everything's great. You know, like we've, we've been playing well, like, but we've lost to Here's the bottom line for me uh, when I look at Donovan Smith. Um, also, I think we can all agree, and we should all agree. Um, just because we are, you know, saying that he's not playing well on the field doesn't mean we're attacking his character off the field. I think that's the thing with a lot of people. They just assume that since we're going to, like, talk about his performance, and if it wasn't a good performance, that we're automatically attacking his character. And that's just blatantly not true. Uh, Donovan Smith is a really good guy for all for all that I've heard and for all that I've seen him do. Uh, great guy, yeah, you know, great guy to know, great teammate. Um, but you know, he's not getting it done. Uh, on let me rephrase, he's not getting it done on the road. And I want to point everyone's attention to. You know, he's not that experienced. People are saying, "Oh, he's not that experienced." Well, I. I kind of don't buy that anymore. Uh, Donovan Smith's been the quarterback for almost a full season in terms of uh, from when he started uh, last year in the Iowa State game to now. Uh, you know, he started the last four games uh, last year. 
uh, went two and two. That's great. That's fine. Uh, against an underwhelming Iowa State team, uh, absolutely got housed against Oklahoma State. Um, played good enough to keep you in the game against Baylor, but you lost. And then uh, beat a Mississippi State team that sat, I think, eight, seven or eight starters on defense because they were going to the draft. Um, again, I'm not dogging him for the performance. I'm just calling it like it is. That's what happened. That's the fact of the matter. Okay. Come in this year. Uh, you know, we're, we've played, you know, Houston. Houston's not a top 25 team, folks. Yeah. You know what? They were when we played them, but they're not. They just lost a fucking Tulane at home. Okay. They lost to Kansas at home, too. And again, no offense to Kansas, but they have, Kansas hasn't played anyone at all either. So. Again, Houston's not a top 25 team. Texas, on the brink, I'd say, you know, really. It's it's not um, – Texas really didn't convince – you know, we'll learn a lot about Texas this weekend when Quinn Ewers comes back against Oklahoma. Um, I think we'll learn a lot in the weeks after as well. But, um, I, you know, at home, those two games are at home, and that's fine. Um, NC State's a top 25 team. Uh, I don't think they're worth like a top 10 ranking like a lot of people do. Uh, I think, you know, right around low teens to 20s is right where I would have them. But they're they're sound. They're they're fundamentally sound. They're a good football team um, that's on the road and really didn't play too well. Um, other game, Kansas State, you know, I'd say they're right around the same pedigree as North Carolina State. Um, you know, didn't play too well. Uh, turned the ball over frequently. Um these are both games on the road. Again, this is just the fact of the matter. Uh, again, not attacking the kid's character, just laying it out like it is. Um, I do want to want to lay out a few things. Donovan Smith does lead the Big 12 in passing yards. Uh, positives. Uh, he has attempted 25 more passes than everyone, uh, and uh, he averages about 7 yards of completion. He has thrown more picks than anyone, and he's been sacked more than anyone. Um, he is tied with about five other guys for the lead in touchdown passes. You know, he's tied with Deckers from Iowa State, Gabriel, uh, Spencer Sanders, Max Duggan, Jalen Daniels for um, passing touchdowns. Um, but again, he's taken 18 sacks this year. The, ne- the next highest is 12. Um, to me, that screams line. Uh but not again. Not all of those are line uh, line breakdowns. You know, a lot of them are. Uh, he's just holding the ball too damn long at times. There are a few uh, instances in the game where you know he's he's back there and he's got five seconds to throw and he still can't find anyone. Well, you know, I can't blame that on the line. And again, you know, you can say, oh, he's inexperienced. He hasn't done that. Well, folks, this game that he's about to start is either his ninth. I think it's his ninth start. Uh, that's, I mean, against Big 12 opponents, and the only non-Big 12 opponent last year that he played against was Mississippi State, which is the bowl game, which, again, we've reiterated that he played poorly in the first half. It was a bad first half. And then this year comes in after Shuck gets hurt against Murray State. Um, Really, uh, his defense saved him against Houston because he threw, like, three picks. Um NC State, you lose. So, again, I'm not trying to attack his character, and I'm not trying to attack him as a person. I'm just saying, like, let's look at the stats and look at them objectively. And you could talk about how bad QBR is 
or, or whatever, and that's fine. If you if you want to really think about that and sit back there and, and sit in your echo chamber and think and just listen to how good everything's going for tech right now, well, the reality is tech's three and two. Going on the road to a top ten team could easily be three and three. Um, however, at this point, at the start of the year, if you'd have told me that we'd have been three and three through six games, I would have taken it. So, um, my my. My shtick here is, you know, looks like he's the guy. So we're going to ride with him. Um, you know, everyone on this pod, everyone at the site is rooting for him. It's not like anyone here is actively rooting against him in any sort of way. We're going to root for Tech. We're going to root for Donovan Smith to succeed. You know, and if he comes out and has a similar game like he had against Texas, against Oklahoma State, then that's great. I wish that would happen. Um, but from what I've seen right now, playing a top 25 team on the road, uh, I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, and one thing I will touch on before I before I lead, lead, or heed the rest of my time, um, I'd like for us to talk about real quick, Mike, just how wide the gap is between the three quarterbacks here. Um, we were told all uh, fall camp that you know, all three guys are right in it. I don't think that there has been something farther from the truth that has been told to the fan base than that. Um, There is a huge drop-off between Tyler Shuck and Donovan Smith. And if we haven't seen Baron Morton yet, then it leads for me to believe that there's an even bigger drop from Donovan Smith to Baron Morton. And Kitley talked about it in the presser uh, yesterday. He said, you know, we've cut back Baron's reps a little bit. Uh, He's probably getting about 35% of the reps. Um but, you know, it, he's still learning some of the offensive system and stuff. And that's another knock that you can put for these guys. You know, they're all learning a new system. But at the same time, going through, cycling through your reads and making just on time, on time throws, that's not something for a system. That's talent. And so, uh, you know, this is stuff that we're all looking, looking at objectively, but it's stuff we need to, you know, really start to discuss. Yeah, I mean, like, let's be clear here. Donovan Smith plays as hard as any Tech quarterback I've ever seen. It's just he just hasn't played well in two road games, right? And I, I get bothered by the commentary about how we handle this because, like, if we're all just okay with winning five games a year, this is the kind of quarterback play, this kind of inconsistent quarterback play that's fine. And if that's the case, then I need to find a new hobby because I can't put in that. Right, like I can't not give a shit about wins and losses. Yes, he's a backup quarterback, but he's just not doing it right now, and that's okay. Right, like he could get better, and the coaching staff's responsibility is to get him better. That that's their job. They don't need us covering for them. Right, like these guys. McGuire makes a shitload of money. Zach Kitley makes more money than I make in a year, um, in about uh, 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 what six months. Right, like it's 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 absurd to me that we feel the need to cover for guys who are doing the job we all want to do, and the put down that like, well, why don't you coach? Hell, I'll, Jimbo Fisher's losing a lot of games at A and M. His guaranteed payout is ninety five million dollars. Sign me the fuck up for being bad at my job and getting a ninety five million dollar check. I promise, with his talent, I can win five to seven games. I'd do it for a a quarter. Shit, give me tech. I'll schedule a bullshit schedule that get me five wins a year. Now, granted, that's not the goal, 
right? And Donovan knows that. The offensive line knows that. Zach Kitley knows that. These are guys who are busting their ass for this program, but the criticism is not unearned. This isn't an effort thing. This isn't a, a character thing. It's just it's just not happening right now. He's gonna he's flashed greatness and he can be better. And to Jack's point, right? Like I don't see practice film. None of us do. So obviously the coaching staff is seeing like a a Grand Canyon gap between the quarterbacks because we and like Jack said, right? Like we were blatantly pretty lied to. It could not have been much of a quarterback contest. Tyler Shucked looked extremely comfortable against Murray State. Donovan Smith clearly is still the guy he was last year inconsistent learning developing Baron Morton is clearly not even on the game you know not even on the horizon of being a quarterback because here's the thing you're down 17 to Kansas State with I think it was 530 something when you got the ball back for that last touchdown drive um, and you didn't go to Morton we were told we're going to see two quarterbacks we didn't that was the situation which if you were going to give Morton his chance that was it he was going to it was going to be a pass happy situation you were going to technically the game wasn't over you could get a couple onside kicks blah 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 real live game reps against ones and he elected not to do it and that's the thing he he made the opposite decision against nc state so clearly they're seeing more and more tape that says donovan is the guy of of these two quarterbacks and like jack said we're all going to be rooting for him you know you should always i would rather be wrong about player development than ever right about tech players it's the same reason like for the basketball tournament i always pick tech to win the national title i knew tech probably wasn't going to get past duke who gives a shit i'd rather be wrong being right's not fun if it means that you're losing, but it, it's I I get bothered by like this in sense that and this is no disrespect, but if you guys want a cheerleading website, they are out there. There's nothing wrong with it. There are plenty that are all rah rah, all sunshine, all the time. It's not going to be us, and that's that's just the reality of the situation. Um, and you know, with the quarterback situation in particular, we're going to keep covering it this way. We're never going to talk about character. Never going to talk about effort. He's playing hard. He wants to win. He's a good guy. He just has to play better, right? He gets a D1 scholarship. He deserves that level of criticism, which is just exclusively about his play on the field. I don't give a shit what Donovan Smith does off the field as long as he's not doing anything illegal, hitting women, or being a dick. And he's none of those things. So if he wants to party, never going to hear me complain. He wants to, you know, do stupid shit that's within the realm of the rules of the team and the law, go have nuts. He's not an NFL player, doesn't deserve that media coverage that goes along with that. But it's fair to talk about a guy who gets a scholarship to Texas Tech about whether or not he, somebody else also on scholarship should get a chance. Um, I think Morton should go. I probably am wrong. You know, the staff sees what I don't. Donovan's a good dude. We'll be rooting for him to succeed. And if history is any indication, he's going to have a great bounce back game. That's kind of been how this has gone. So, you know, that's something to look forward to. Kendall, last point on the offense, because I want to give you a closing word here um, on our recap. The receiving core to me has, has done kind of an admirable job, all things considered. I've, I've been really impressed by these guys. Price is a game-time decision, I believe, was the last update. Who's the guy you're most expecting to kind of step into his role? Uh, well, I there hasn't been, like, a solidified, like, clear number two, in my opinion. We've had, a, I think it's going to be kind of a committee of guys that kind of step up. Um, you know, like Trey Cleveland, uh, J.J. Sparkman, and... Uh, I think those are the two main guys that have really stood out to me, actually, with their size on the outside. But there's just not another guy on this roster that's like Miles Price. Uh, you could see Xavier White get quite a few of um, Price's targets. But to me, there's really not just like a – it's very similar to last year in the sense that we had um, 
as a comma, but what else? But except it's not, but what else? It's, you know, we have such a, you know, abundance of receivers that can step up now. So, um, Miles Price being out is, or possibly being out is going to be a, a huge hit, but I'm a lot more confident in this year's receiver core's ability to step up with the absence of that number one guy compared to last season. And, um, you know, you guys made a lot of great points with uh, Donovan, but the thing that's like really kind of, it's just what's screwing this offense to me is uh, the Donovan Smith is a very bad combination with a bad offensive line just because he's somewhat indecisive and, um, you know, he holds on to the ball a little too long at points. And I think that's really kind of what's relatively screwed this offense. Um, and that's what Tyler Shuck does significantly better. Uh, you touched on the, on the part of like, there was a huge, a much more obvious gap between these quarterbacks. And I do want to talk about Baron Morton for a second. Like you guys both made really good points because, you know, with quarterback play like this, you know, what happened at NC State, um, we saw Morton come in at the end of that game, but that's when the game was basically done. Tech has, had thrown in the towel for the most part at that point. Um, you know, I'm a little concerned with the fact that uh, Morton isn't ready to play yet because um, he... This is his second year in the program now, and yes, there, he had to learn a new offense and stuff. But we heard a lot about his, you know, his raw talent coming into Tech, and we heard a lot this spring about his his talent. And that's the word that keeps getting thrown around with both um, Smith and Morton is like potential. Well, one for one thing with Smith is, you know, Jack hit the nail on the head talking about like when do we stop hearing about this potential because it's it's getting a little carried away like last year I was fine you know listen I defending the way that Donovan was playing because you know he was a third stringer last year and you know I was willing to listen to all the potential talk but now we're in his second year and it really seems like a lot of the issues that he had last year are basically the same issues he's having this year and that's what's kind of you know, throwing me off his numbers, um, on the stat sheet, especially, um, like against K state, like Mike said, the, the numbers really got stacked up towards the end. Um, it is very concerning for this offense because, you know, not just, you know, the rest of this season, because when Shuck comes back, assuming he, you know, is able to stay healthy, um, you know, I think that the offense will look much different and probably a lot better, but, you know, for the future, we have two quarterbacks right now that it just seems like they haven't really developed great. So it's kind of just worrying me for the future on, you know, after this year, if Shuck were to leave and go to the draft, which is a high possibility if he um, ends up finishing the year and finishes it strong. Um, you know, what do we have like after this season at quarterback, because we don't really have anybody that's proven they can, you know, completely step up. And if Donovan, you know, if he starts to progress more, like if starting this week, we need to see something on the road, but 
Um, just in general, that's going to be kind of a future talking point on like, where are we going to stand after this season? But that's still pretty far in the future. But um, back to what the original question was with just the receivers. Um, I think at the end of the day with this team, there isn't any replacing Miles Price just because um, Big 12 teams, especially now, kind of know how good he is. And that's kind of allowed some of our receivers, you know, that – are also on the outside to possibly have some attention off of them and freed them up to make some bigger plays. Uh, I think the big thing, um, it, we touched on it before the Texas game, it's just getting the tight ends involved. Uh, that's going to be a really big thing if Miles Price is out, uh, getting our tight ends involved because that we saw how well that worked um, in the second half of the Texas game. Um, getting Baylor Cup involved, he was able to flash some of that five-star talent he has uh, if if Price is out, just getting those tight ends more involved, having you know just some big targets, some easy dump off passes to them, um, I think that'll really open up the entire offense uh, and kind of make everyone out there a threat. So, um, you know, there's no replacing Miles Price, but this year's team is a lot better built to replace the number one wide receiver than last year's was. So, um, I just it's kind of just a matter of who, not like if we can, it's a matter of, you know, who's going to step up. I think you make a lot of valid points um, about the idea of what's waiting in the wings. Um, we'll see what ends up happening with Shuck. I don't. Guys who come back from throwing injuries like this, or excuse me, shoulder injuries like this, you know, they don't tend to throw the ball super crisp upon return. Um, it just takes a little bit to adjust to what their bodies can do. But, you know, if he comes out strong after the bye week and Tech goes on a bit of a roll, um, yeah, I could see him ending up in the NFL draft despite that. Um, I think the reality is, is if, if Baron Morton cannot win the starting job from Donovan Smith now after kind of some of the play we've seen, it's just not going to happen. And I should tell you guys that there's something wrong. Um, you know, Donovan's flash enough greatness to earn chances in successive games to try to string it together, not denying that. But the fact that despite some really bad moments that we're not even considering going to Baron tells you that where, where things stand in terms of the QB room. And I think that ends with him transferring. Um, we're running a little bit low on time. I like to spend more time on tech and kind of what happened the last week anyway, so this kind of works out. But let's look ahead now to Oklahoma State. Um, they're coming off of a win over the Baylor Bears, um, a very big win, a potentially, you know, kind of Big 12 um, defining win, considering, you know, I would say most people agree Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Baylor are the toast, followed closely by KU and TCU, surprisingly. Um, in this game, Spencer Sanders would throw for 20 out of 29, 181 yards for about on average. And we're going to get to Jack's favorite topic, 6.2 average, one TD, one interception. He, though, was much more effective on the ground, rushing for 14 times for 75 yards. He was Oklahoma State's leading rusher. Their other rushing attack was very stagnant. Dominic Richardson had 24 carries for 73 yards. It's about one, three a carry. Um, and Ollie Gordon being the only serious other rusher, having six carries for 16 yards for under three a carry. On their defensive side, Blake Shapin threw for 345 yards, two TDs, two interceptions. He averaged about eight in attempts, so a little bit more downfield um then we have on the rushing side for Baylor they were not 
they just were not good rushing the ball against uh, the Cowpokes. Only their leading rusher would rush 17 times for 85 yards, which isn't bad, but here's the problem. As a team, they only netted 112 yards. They needed some more help from some of the other backs. I don't know if this was by design or because they fell behind early, but they definitely tried to throw the ball a bit much at the at the um, expense of getting their rushing attack really established. Um, let's start getting into it, Jack. I know you want to get into... Um, you want to get into the Spencer Sanders of it all. Let's start there. What have you seen from the Cowpoke signal caller in this season? Well, it's it's blatantly obvious to me that Spencer Sanders sucks. Um, he's just not a good quarterback. I've said this now for I think four years. It also and it to me it, it all goes back to the first game I ever saw him play uh, in Lubbock. He fumbled like three times against Tech, and it was like on four. He fumbled like three out of four possessions, and Tech destroyed Oklahoma State that year um, at home in Lubbock. It was a great game I was at. Um, but it's just nothing that he does. He doesn't do anything particularly well to me, and, and that's where that's where I come in with the hate. Um, you know, if he was an elite passer, like you know, if he was if he was hanging three fifty to four hundred every game in in the air, and uh, you know was was only having like uh, you know, five or six incompletions while throwing the ball like 50 times, then we have a discussion, you know. Um, but like you said, you know, he, he really hasn't, uh, he's just not really that good at anything to, in my mind. Uh, he, he, he's turnover prone, and when he gets into that, once you, once you make him turn the ball over once, at least in previous seasons, that's when he's liable to turn the ball over a lot more. Um, that was a problem in the game last year uh, in Lubbock. Is that the defense really didn't turn him over that much? Um, but it, like I said, we're we're in a new system, new uh, new defensive coordinator, whole new mindset in the coaching staff. Um, I do want to point out some some tendencies from the Oklahoma State offense. Um, they they call their plays in spurts, and when I say that. Um, they're they're balanced in in a way um they they tend to lean on the run a little bit more and i would with spencer sanders as the quarterback because i'm not i mean i may not think he's all that good but he he is an elusive quarterback he's a dual threat uh i'm not i'm not oblivious to that uh but they call their plays in spurts And, and when i say that i mean um they tend to they tend to call blocks of plays so if you go back and look through that baylor game um a lot of the plays are similar. So, like, what I mean by this is, um, in, like, the first drive that Oklahoma State had the ball and they went down and scored, uh, Spencer Sanders starts off that drive with five straight passes before they even attempt a run. So, and then they run the ball for three or four times in a row, and then they throw it for four more times. So, like I said, it's, it's chunk things that they're doing on offense, which I think... Unless something changes, I mean, I, I really didn't pay that close attention to any of the other games they're playing because they were against crap teams. But it's it's very predictable. Like once once they get into like uh, this lull of play calling, it seems like it's very repetitive to me. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very repetitive. And the only thing that worries me about this offense this week. Uh, from the defensive side of the ball, uh, would be that would be your dual threats in the in the backfield. 
all of it seems very similar to Kansas State in terms of um, in terms of rushing attempts. Spencer Sanders ran it for 14 times, but they handed the ball off 24 times. So they had 46 rushes as a team um, and only 30, 30 uh, dropbacks, uh, or I guess 30 attempts, I should say, uh, in this game in Baylor or in Waco. But like I said, so it, to me it seems very repetitive and it's very, uh, it's very block-style plays. Um, again, just it's like five passes here, three runs in a row, then four passes, then five runs, and, and it's just like chunks, which I don't really know Like if I recall if I've really ever seen that that much from a team unless it's like a large chunk of passes when a team's down by more than two scores like late in a game or something. Um, but, you know... I, the the defense is what's going to challenge the Tech offense in this one. Um, that's where I would be looking because the Tech defense is, like I said, like we've mentioned all podcasts, has been the has been the main uh, strength of this team this year. Um, and so I'm looking to see if and I and I really do think that if um, you know if the defense can hold the rushing attack under four yards of carry, like Baylor was able to, Baylor was able to hold their starting running back to three yards of carry. Like, like if Tech can do that on defense, you put yourself in a pretty good spot to come up with some plays and to try and at least keep this one close. Kendall, I'm going to let you go next. I'm going to circle up at the end with kind of my thoughts on the cowpokes, but I want to make sure we have time to get to everybody. Um, let's start on the defensive side of the ball with you. Um, what are you seeing from the Cowboys' offense? Last year's unit was extremely elite. How have they looked this season? Kind of what should Tech expect from the Cowboys? Uh, their defense is, you know, last year it was just downright elite. This year, um, you know, they haven't been challenged much, you know, Face an awful Arizona State team. They let up 44 to, uh, who was it, Central Michigan. But also, I mean, they were also up pretty significantly before that happened, but still letting up 44 to a MAC team is always um, awful. But they lost, you know, an elite defensive coordinator, but seems like the defense has really found their groove now. But um, they're just your typical, you know, Oklahoma State defense. They're really, really strong. Um, up front, their front seven is pretty damn elite. Um, you know, Mike Gundy is always going to have a pretty solid defense behind him. Uh, you know, like you guys said, Baylor really struggled to run the ball consistently. Um, but also, you know, there were holes in the defense as far as throwing. If you watch that game, uh, you know, Baylor was able to find some success through the air. Um, you know, they had some big plays. I don't know if Tech can necessarily, um, you know, produce those same types of big plays than the way that Baylor did. But um, really, it just, it's kind of a wait and see. Um, but their defense, you know, it's just the same as it, It's. I don't think it's as good as it was last year where Tech literally looked like they had never played offense before against them but they're still probably uh i would say the one of the better defenses if not the best defense uh in the big 12 until someone kind of proves them otherwise 
but um, our offense is going to have their work cut out for them. We need to involve uh, the run game more. Um, we need to find different ways to get both uh, Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks the ball. And I really do think that also starts with not starting the game down double digits. Um, what you know, we talked, we hit on that, and that's going to be really important here. Jack just highlighted a lot of their offense. They have, you know, we can't let them go and score early because this defense is not a defense you want to be down to. Uh, it's not a defense that I think we're going to have any success against if we're losing early. This is going to be a game that we need to kind of at least put our foot down and stay close to even have a shot. You know, last year when we played Oklahoma State, um, it never felt like Tech was really out of it until the ver- until like probably that fourth quarter. You know, we were able to keep it close with them and what I think was a better Oklahoma State team last season. Um so this year, I think you have to have a similar type of game plan, but you also have to, you know, execute much better offensively. Um, now, to whether we can do that or not, that's still yet to be seen. But kind of the game plan is just try to find holes in their defense. But I don't really know where they're going to be at right now. So um, I guess it's kind of a wait and see. But uh, yeah, just the big thing is not letting Oklahoma State go up early, though, because this defense. Uh, they're not going to break easily. Yeah, I'll, I'll circle up on both sides of the ball real quick. First, on the offensive side of the ball, I think Jack, you know, stopped short quite of saying it, but the reality is, is Oklahoma State's offense has suffered under Spencer Sanders for a while. Um, credit to Mike Gundy for finding a way to win with that guy as quarterback. Um, Oklahoma State fans didn't like to hear it last year. They won't like to hear it this year. He's just not a very good quarterback. Um, he's, I don't. I think he's improved. He's protecting the ball a bit more, and you know they can rely on him a bit more. You know that's that's development as a quarterback. But the, let, let's let's be very clear here. This was not a good defensive showing in in um, in Waco, right? Like you know Oklahoma State capitalized on turnovers. That's great, but you know 181 yards of passing is not good. For 6.2 an attempt, mind you. Like, this isn't the reality of, oh, we only had to throw the ball a few times because they were just blowing the top off and scoring TDs. You know, no. He he threw a lot of passes for not very many yards. Um, and 75 yards on the ground is also pretty good for a quarterback. Five a carry, five and a half a carry. But it's not wow you. You know, this was not part of it because their defense performed so well, mind you. But they, they just... It's just not a very good offense as long as he's there. I mean, that that's just... Because Jack talked about this, but their schedule has been absolutely awful. I mean, as Tech has played maybe one of the harder schedules in the country, Oklahoma State has easily played one of the easiest. Their next most difficult game, mind you, because they're four games in. Right? They had the uh, they had the bye, so they're four games in. Um, let's talk about their next best game. That's Arizona State. That's either Central Michigan or Arizona State. They survived Central Michigan, and then they took care of business by with a 17-point win, um, based on a a second, um, you know, a a pretty well, you know, rounded effort in that game. Um, but you know, again, there's next best opponent, Spencer Sanders, 268. That's okay. Um, you know, where they found where they're finding successes on the ground. Right, like that's where they're finding success. Spencer Sanders in that game carried it 14 times. Dominic Richardson 27 times, 131 yards. Spencer Sanders was 21 for 38, not good for 268. Okay, seven and one in attempt, not good. Two TDs and interception. So the turnovers problem's gone away, but offensively they're they're a run first team. You know that's that's what they do. It's not 
a bad offense by any stretch, but it's limited by him. Um, and if Oklahoma State fans don't like it, I'm sure they'll let us know that. But that's I've seen it year in and year out with this guy, and I'm seeing it this year. Until he proves that he is not the thing holding the offense back, um, that's that's what we're going to continue to assume. Um, and that's, that's just going to be – they're going to lean on their defense to win games. And here's the thing. Their defense has looked vulnerable, right? You know, Baylor turned it over a few times, but they really put on some yards and some points. If they don't turn it over a few times, I think this is a different game. Um, they're not the same squad as last year. I think that's a, that was a really good Oklahoma State team last year. Um, this team is not quite there. Um, they haven't been challenged um, by anybody but Baylor. So we don't have a great sample size against good competition. Tech is probably closer to Baylor than maybe, you know, Arizona State was. So this is probably their second real test of the season. But, you know, offensively, I'm just, I think as Tech's defense does what it does best and comes after Spencer Sanders and gets him in trouble and controls the run game, you can't give up huge chunk yards to these guys. They will burn you that way. Um, if you fix that problem, you'll be okay on the offense side. Defensively, like I said, it's not the same unit as last year. It's still a good defense. Um, I think Baylor gave up some opportunities that would have allowed them to make this more of a game. Um, they put up some yards, and I think Tech can as well. But it's on your offensive line to, to block. Um, you know, that's that's so much of what's going to go down in any game for Tech, right? Because we know kind of what we're going to get with Donovan Smith. Um, see, he's inconsistent, but, you know, we know what his abilities are, and we know when he's at his best. And if he can get some help from his offensive line, it'll put him in the the best position to win um, against Baylor. Oklahoma State had uh, uh, two sacks, seven tackles for loss. Um, they only had three other QB hurries recorded, so they're not. You know, Oklahoma, Baylor's a very good um, offensive line, so it's not like that should like tell you, ah, Tech's just going to lock these guys up. That that's pretty impressive to do against a unit like Baylor's, who is a very you know veteran offensive line. So they got some guys who can pass rush. You know, Tech needs to game plan against holding the ball. Needs to roll Donovan out. Need to trust your backs, right? You know, trust your backs, hand the ball off. Baylor found some success on the ground. Um, they just couldn't stick to it because they got in such a hole. Um, you know, do, do what's working, take what's there. It's, I think this will be a pretty low scoring game. I think people will be shocked by how close it is. I don't know if, you know, if you're going to be able to get this done just because, you know, I don't know if Donovan's going to string together or put together a complete game. If he does, and if Tech takes care of some of the big plays that have killed them, you'll be in this game right until the end. And then it'll just come down to how do you, who wants it more on the road? Um, alternatively, if you Donovan doesn't play well, if the offensive line struggles, if you continue to get burned by big plays, it'll look a lot like Kansas State and NC State. You'll be you'll battle to the end, but you'd never seriously seem to threaten actually winning the game. You just kind of keep it close. You know, Tech is now doing the thing I said they had to do compete in every game no blowouts they're doing that they're competing now let's take it to the next level and let's seriously threaten these guys in their house let's go into Oklahoma State and play a complete game um, that's going to bring us to predictions I'm going to call you know what I just don't like Oklahoma State very much so I'm going to call a tech win um, I think they can do it if you can take like I said protect your quarterback give him his best opportunity game plan for him instead of trying to just run the air raid, um, which Kitley has a problem with doing, but just game plan for your quarterback and then control the big play, play discipline, keep your eyes on where they need to be, follow the ball. Um, I think Tech can get this done, but they're going to have to do it in a low-scoring affair. So I'm going to say 31-24, the Red Raiders win by a late touchdown. Um, Jack, you're up next. Kind of what are your thoughts? Who wins this game? 
I unfortunately, uh, I have to go against Tech here. Uh, I, I do think that this might be your worst loss of the season. Um, I just think that Oklahoma State's defense is too good. The line is too uh, inconsistent, and the quarterback play is too inconsistent. Uh, unfortunately for Donovan Smith, I think the seat gets even hotter after this week. Uh, I think there will be more calls for Baron Morton to play uh, and probably a lot of calls to open up the QB battle in the bye week, um, even though you know it's anticipated that Shuck comes back against Baylor. Uh, we'll see. So um, I, I, I really think that uh, this game – it, 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 I don't know if it'll be close. If, if I'm honest with you, I, I really think that this could be uh, this could be a bad one. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with uh, you know Oklahoma State 34, and I think Tech 13. I just don't, I just the offense last week turned me off big time, and uh, I just think that I think that Oklahoma State's defense is going to be even tougher than is going to be the toughest thing we've seen all year. So uh, I, I think 34 to 13, uh, this is going to be one to forget. Kendall, how are we feeling about this game? Who takes it? Um, I think we're going to see an ugly-ass game. Uh, I genuinely think this could be a lot lower scoring than a lot of people anticipate just because, you know, Tech's offense has been very inconsistent and, you know, that going up against a – very, very good Oklahoma State defense is going to lead to very little points. And also, um, I the way Tech's defense is played, um, I think if they continue to play the way they have, Oklahoma State will have some issues moving the ball consistently against us just because, you know, Spencer Sanders is very inconsistent. So um, I'm going to guess a very low-scoring game like I think that Oklahoma State probably comes out with a win here, but I'm gonna guess like a you know uh, 23 to 14 type of game. It's gonna be ugly, but um, I still think Tech will have a chance to win this game. It's just kind of what Donovan Smith shows up is really what it's gonna come down to. Yeah, it looks like we got a pretty pretty unfavorable lineup here for Tech. Um, obviously, you know, we'll all be rooting for the Red Raiders on Saturday. That game is at 2.30. Um, tune in. We'll have coverage through the Hub City Homers account and the Viva the Matadors account as per usual. Hopefully, we see a Texas Tech team that continues the trend of being good basically every other game. Um, I'd love to get a win in, in Stillwater. I think that if Tech's looking for a big-time rivalry um, in the new Big 12, Oklahoma State's such a great candidate. Um, you know, they're... they're, they're they're very much the us of Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma. So I think it's a really fun rivalry. It's a very even series. I think I saw somewhere, and I don't remember who said it, so I don't want to steal credit, but it was not originally my thought, but that if Oklahoma State wins tomorrow, it'll be the first time they've ever led in the series. So, you know, it's there's a lot on the line. There's the future of the game itself, you know, becoming kind of a premier rivalry potentially as these two teams develop. And let's start the new era of the Big 12 with a win over the Cowpokes. And, you know, let's, let's ruin Xerox U's um, fun time in their, their really kind of Bush League-esque crowded stadium. Um, so hopefully the Red Raiders will get this one done. You can, Like I said, you can catch us during the game at the two accounts. And as always, feel free to DM us, 
tweet at us, whatever, to give us feedback, commentary, thoughts on what we talked about, or just generally to tell us, you know, how we can improve. We always love to hear from you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day, morning, night, whenever you listen to this. Um, it's 10 for tonight, and I'll post this up tomorrow, so hopefully you guys can have, you know, plenty of time to listen before the game on Saturday. Wreckham, and enjoy the rest of your day.